This is Deep Dish on Global Affairs, going beyond the headlines on critical global issues. I'm Brian Hansen, and you may not know it, but we are present at the creation of a major change taking place in diplomacy. But it's not being led by the U.S. State Department. It's not being led by foreign ministries around the world. It's happening in City Hall. Or perhaps more accurately, it's happening in city halls around the world. As cities have grown in size and power, as technology and globalization have lowered the cost of connecting across distances, cities have increasingly set out to shape their own diplomatic agendas in ways some argue have the potential to transform global politics. I'm joined today by two leading practitioners of this new wave of global diplomacy to explain how it works. I have with me Penny Abawardena, who is the New York City's Commissioner for International Affairs. She was previously Director of Girls and Women Integration at the Clinton Global Initiative. And she is the author of a new blog posted on the Council's website titled, New York City's Global Experience Builds the Case for City Diplomacy. Welcome, Penny. It's great to have you on Deep Dish. Thank you. It's exciting to be on. And also with us is Henri Paul Normandin, who is the Director of International Relations for the City of Montreal in Quebec, Canada. He was previously a Canadian ambassador to Haiti and the United Nations as well. Welcome, Henri Paul. It's great to have you here, too. Hello, Brian. A pleasure to join you. So I do want to add that today's discussion is a little bit of a preview of um, the 2019 Pritzker Forum on Global Cities that the Council is hosting in Chicago. Both Penny and Henri Paul will be on the, on the agenda there. And this is an annual event that really probes the role of cities as actors in addressing important global issues. There's more information on the Pritzker Forum on our website, thechicagocouncil.org. Now, to jump into the conversation, Penny, I want to start with you, and I want to ask you what is a seemingly simple question. Um, What is city diplomacy? I know we're talking about a whole lot more than just simply sister cities relationships, but what is this thing we call city diplomacy? (laughs) Yes, and I have to say, um, you know, sister cities um, is something that we uh, we had, um, we've been doing for many years, and one of the the, the distinctions in terms of when I joined the, the mayor back in 2014 is what does it look like for cities to connect in a, on a substantive level, right? What does it look like for us to exchange best practices on policy? And so city diplomacy for New York City has really been um, creating a platform for us to talk about what's working in New York City and showing the leadership of New York City um, on issues related to climate and immigration. And I think the reason city diplomacy right now is more important than ever. We have national governments, um, not only here in the U.S., but around the world, that are abdicating their responsibility on multilateral agreements. And so this um, the city diplomacy is really an engagement of cities showing the work that they're doing on behalf of their citizens, and how do we essentially promote those agendas beyond borders. Terrific and, and very succinct. Henri Paul, you spent have spent an entire career in diplomacy, both doing traditional national diplomacy and now doing city diplomacy. What do you see as the as the distinctions and, and how would you like to build on, on, on Penny's really succinct um, definition? Well, let's go back to the, the basics of what diplomacy is. And uh, interestingly enough, there's not a universally accepted definition of diplomacy, mm-hmm. but uh, my own is essentially the following. It's, it's the art of pursuing your interests and objectives. 
uh, and influencing the decisions and behaviors of others. So that applies to a national government, but it can also apply to a, uh, a city government. Uh, and in a nutshell, in terms of our interests and objectives in a city, there are many. But more and more, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the quality of life of our citizens is dependent on things that are happening globally. Climate change is the most obvious example. So in Montreal and in any city, we, we suffer from the impact of climate change. But if we want to be effective at addressing climate change, how it impacts people in Montreal, then we cannot act simply in Montreal. We have to act globally. So that is why we engage more and more on uh, global issues. You referred to the twinning of cities. This is still a, a tool that is being used, but cities have gone much beyond that now, and we're more and more active on global issues. So I know that both of you have been actively involved in this. In the, in the abstract, you know, we're used to cities thinking about things like, like um, you know, sanitation and, and, and streets and all. Um, can you give us some examples of what this city diplomacy looks like? Uh, what's an issue that you all engage, and you've provided a couple examples, but if you could just build out, kind of how do you go about doing this? What's an example of this? Either one of sure, you. Sure, I can, I can jump in. I have to say sanitation and clean streets are very important to us here in New York City. Um, what we have decided to do in terms of how we've framed the, um, our city diplomacy has been specifically through the Sustainable Development Goals. So in 2015, um, Mayor de Blasio on, on Earth Day um, launched One NYC, which is our development agenda that's looking at sustainability and resiliency in New York City through a strong equity lens. It's also 2015 was the year that the global community came together and agreed to the 17 Sustainable Development Goals. What my office did was we mapped our 1NYC visions to the SDG targets, and we had synergies, I think, because of our strong equity lens um, in all of the Sustainable Development Goals. And what we were able to do is create this program called Global Vision Urban Action, where we created a platform where we can talk about um, how does New York City um, you know, manage our, uh, our waste? How do we clean our streets or keep them safe um, in terms of lowering pedestrian debts? The the thing is, is we're doing these policies on issues that impact our everyday citizens, but there's an opportunity to learn and exchange best practices um, from cities and states around the world. You know, one of the one of the ways that New York City wanted to show up is that, you know, we're as large as not larger than 141 countries. We get to be host to the United Nations. Um, but we're also not just Manhattan. We have um, structural inequities throughout our five boroughs. And so we show up with the humility to learn from other from other countries. And so that was our original engagement in, um, in 2015 and over the last few years has really been um, through this lens of the sustainable development goals. It's a, it's a language and a common framework that allows us um, you know, to connect with our, our fellow colleagues in, you know, waste management in Nairobi or Sao Paulo. And that has been extremely in, um, useful over the last few years. Terrific. And Anari Paul, what's an example you'd cite? I'd take the example of uh, technology. You know, technology affects us in, uh, in many ways, including in new forms of, uh, of the economy like Airbnb and Uber and so on. And there are also issues of uh, human rights which uh, which pop up, and it's uh, it's a challenge for 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 cities to see how do we do we eventually regulate uh, all of this activity. How do we best use technology? And it's a little bit difficult for a city alone to go at it. So what we've seen in the last few few months actually is a number of cities getting together 
to discuss those issues on technology, how it affects us, how it affects the economy, how it affects our human rights. And uh, and we've developed a, a network and some initiatives, uh, including with New York, with uh, with Amsterdam and others. Uh, and we've developed a platform called uh, Cities for Digital Rights. So we're trying to see how each of us can can best cope with uh, with those new technologies in order both to to serve our citizens and also to protect them when they need uh, when they need uh, to be protected. So that's interesting. And both the examples you cited are really are, are really fall into a category of cities that are facing similar challenges around the world, being driven by whatever technology or or, or globalization. And cities coming together to, to learn from one another, to exchange ideas, um, uh, and, to, and to, to, in order to address problems that everyone is facing or cities are simultaneously uh, facing. There's another set of, uh, of, um, of actions that uh, you all referred to in kind of the opening of city diplomacy, and that is cities working together in order to try to affect uh, not only what happens in within their borders, but trying to affect global and national policies that have an impact on those on those cities. I, I know that you all both uh, just got back from Tokyo and um, for a meeting of the so-called U-20, the Urban 20, um, which is set up in parallel to the, to the G-20, the G-20 being uh, you know, every six months leaders of, of these 20 large and important nations come together in order to, to work on important global problems. Can you talk a little bit about how cities are also coming together to try to influence um, global, uh, global debates and global decisions that have an impact on your cities as well? Absolutely. I mean, I'm going to, you know, reflect on the Paris Climate Accord. Um, you know, soon after um, the Trump administration came into power, they pulled um, the U.S. out of the Paris Climate Accord. Um, New York City, within 24 hours, signed an executive order where we committed ourselves directly to that. And, you know, we led a coalition through the U.S. Conference of Mayors. There are over 400 U.S. cities that have committed directly to it. Um, you know, this is, this is a moment in which cities, um, you know, in certain countries, and I'm going to speak um, for us here in the U.S., have to have to step up. And these coalitions become very important when, our, when it's on issues like climate change that go well beyond our borders. And so for, for New York City, our participation in the U-20 and other um, initiatives that are, are these city coalitions are really important because we need to show that we have a collective voice. We not only did this the Paris Climate Accord, but we also did this with the Global Compact on Migration, which was a focus of the United Nations last year, and of course the U.S. government didn't participate. Um, we know the importance of what it means to have a diverse and inclusive community, and we have a number of different policy issues that we think are very important in this larger migration conversation. So we not only um, participated during the Global Compact of my, the Global Compact's um, negotiation, but we led a coalition of 50 cities. So it's been a very, um, I think it's been, it's been not only useful and effective, because clearly it's having that impact on our jobs, but it's necessary right now. 
And I would say this is part of a, a broader movement uh, of, uh, that we call ACETA, the Global Table, uh, which started in uh, 2016 in Quito uh, around the UN Habitat uh, Conference, mm-hmm. where basically cities were trying to were trying to, to, to get a seat in, in innovative ways. That doesn't mean sitting in the UN as a nation state, of course, so it's different. But uh, the U20 is a very good example. I'll give you another example. The G7, uh, Canada hosted the G7 uh, last year. And, uh, and uh, for the first time ever, mayors addressed uh, the G7 forum through, uh, through an open letter saying, basically, these are the, the issues that we would like to, to work uh, with you on. So, so the, the, G, the G7, now the G20, and there will be others. Migration, uh, as Penny mentioned, is a very good case in point. Uh, back 18 months ago, basically, the uh, cities were not at the table of discussion on the global compact on migration and refugees we decided to get into it and we did so successfully in the negotiations we influenced the content of the global contact and at the end of the process uh, actually we were present in marrakesh mayor plant of montreal presented the position of cities uh in front of the un to say we're supportive of the global compact um and uh this is what we will do and this is what we hope that you will do as well so it's really part of a broader movement and uh, and I would like to highlight actually that and this is very important is that for cities we do we we're active we, we do two things we act on glo- on those global issues and we also influence the global agenda uh, we've seen it in climate change we've seen it in migration and I think that the next uh, frontier the next uh, theme for cities uh, which is coming up is that of biodiversity uh, we talk a lot about climate change, and that's absolutely relevant. Uh, but relatively few people talk about biodiversity, yet there is uh, the COP15 of biodiversity next year, at the end of next year, and there is hardly a political momentum around it. Well, cities, Montreal and a number of other cities and, uh, and other organizations that, that's called ICLE of cities, we decided to get together, and we're going to play a role uh, on the, the, the discussions and on the agenda of uh, biodiversity, just like cities did with climate change and migration now. So let me pick up on that, because that's a really interesting issue. I wouldn't have thought of that as a city's issue. Usually, you know, biodiversity, in which we think about the extinction of species of various kinds, plants and animals, um, and, uh, and the planet. And oftentimes we think about cities kind of as separate from uh, uh, or their own particular biospheres. Um, why is this such a compelling and important issue for cities? Well, biodiversity is affected by human activity. And where do most humans live? In cities, of course, where you know, we're getting at, we're at 60% and, and more and more every, every decade. So we've got to be conscious of the impact of what we do in cities on biodiversity. Uh, urban sprawl is a good, uh, is a good example uh, of the, the negative impact we can have on biodiversity. And conversely, as we destroy biodiversity, it also has an impact on our quality of life in cities. Uh, I think of uh, natural disasters, for example. We've been affected by, by floods in, uh, in eastern Canada lately, and it's partly because we destroyed, uh, we destroyed some of our uh, coastal areas that don't protect us anymore. So that's a very concrete example of what's happening in a city. So biodiversity matters for quality of life in a city, 
but it's also a, a, a broader global issue, of course, where everybody has to act, cities, national governments, uh, civil society, and, uh, and so on. And I agree with you that it's not obvious at first sight, but when you stop and think about it, there is a role for us uh, to play. Absolutely. You know, New York City has like over 500 miles of coastline. Um, we had to deal with um, the, the aftermath of Superstorm Sandy, and that's really where 1NYC came from when we were looking at the future sustainability and resiliency of New York City. Um, I think this is where, again, the sustainable development goals become very important. Um, one of the things that we do, um, and not only do we partner with other cities and exchange best practices and bring that SDG framework to our colleagues, in different city agencies, because the city diplomacy can't be just in one office. It can't be in the international affairs team. It has to be something that everybody throughout the city understands, not only those employed by city government, but I think the everyday um, New Yorker. And one of the ways we do that is through a program called um, New York City Junior Ambassadors. We focus on the 7th to 8th grade group, which is like the 12 to 13-year-olds. And what we do is we invite educators to integrate the SDGs into their curriculum. There's a number of different aspects um, to this program, but at the end of the day, these young people are learning about these issues related to biodiversity or climate action or education in the from the global lens through the SDGs, but then they have to do something in their community. And so when you think about something like biodiversity, I think about SDG 14, life underwater. How do you take something that sounds so wonky and boring to like you know, 12 <laughs> to 13 year olds and get them to do something in their community? And what we've seen is that we have, um, we have ambassadors from the South Bronx and their focus is SDG 14, life underwater. And what they're doing is cleaning up and thinking about the long-term sustainability about the South, of the South Bronx River, which they walk by every single day to get to school and is one of the dirtiest waterways in New York City, you know? And so that's how you're taking these sort of really broad, wonky, um, you know, really important topics, but bringing it, you know, into the homes of people that need to do something about it, right? I mean, so what Henri Paul just said, this is about the longevity of our of our society and our communities, and it can't just be government or a handful of people in government thinking about it. It actually needs to be our everyday citizens. So these examples are really striking to me because one of the arguments one hears in the city diplomacy kind of discussions is that big global issues can be seen as very abstract and and out there somewhere. Yeah. And your examples right. are really drawing the connections between everyday lives of people. And one of the things that, that city government is true about city governments is they tend to be closer to their populations than national governments that are, are, are governing over a a wider range of types of communities and a wider sense of, of, of geography. So one of the things that you bring to bear is that close connection, closer connection um, with, the, with the city, with people in the city and making these issues real. I want to build on this a, a little bit and, and ask you about what are the sources of city power? I mean, we're talking about political decisions here that affect people's lives, and there are always interests involved. And I, I loved the phrase earlier in the conversation about city diplomacy is, is cities pursuing their interests and the interests of those people who are residents in the cities. What do cities bring to bear politically in order to have, have exert power in shaping these decisions and actions? 
I mean, I think democracy. <laughs> we, 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 we bring in, you know, voters. I think there is, there's a number of different ways I think that we can, we can exert power. I mean, from a New York City perspective, um, thinking about what the conversation we were just having um, around Superstorm Sandy and what happened after, it's, there's a pretty direct, um, you know, correlation between that event and sort of the, the behavior of the large fossil fuel companies. And so what um, Mayor de Blasio has done is partner with Mayor Sadiq Khan from London, and there is a um, an effort. It's called the Global Divestment Network to divide di- divest um, pension fund dollars. And New York City's done that with about four billion dollars um, out of the big fossil fuel companies and reinvesting those dollars into um, clean energy companies. And I think that that kind of um, you know. We, we have to we have to use power where we have it. There's there is the influence that we can do with a big city like New York City and the money that we have around our pension funds, but also the way that we empower our citizens to know about these issues and realize that you know we also need to have a national government that reflects the issues that we care about, whether it's on immigration or climate change, and encourage them to vote. So it's a it's a I think a, a holistic way of approaching the way that communities can can act. Um, one other thing that New York City has done is obviously we're hosted the United Nations and we have our 193 permanent missions and we believe very strongly in um, in the work of the UN and the role of cities in participating in that conversation. So we talked about the Paris Climate Accord, we talked about the Global Compact on Migration, but also you know when when you think about the fact that you know the community, the development community that gets together at the UN, they're thinking about it through the framework of the SDGs. A really important moment is every summer during the high level political forum. National governments are um, are invited to submit voluntary national reviews. This is where their countries are in terms of achieving the SDGs. We saw an incredible opportunity. Um, city voices have been missing from this, and we um, last year worked with the UN. They were very supportive of this, and we we proposed what if New York City did a voluntary local review? Um, we kind of made that up, but it was and you know we we mapped what um, voluntary national reviews were, and what's great is that there. Is isn't a standard for countries submitting this. There is right now um, quite a lot of flexibility in how you can do this reporting. So that's an opportunity for cities to insert themselves into this conversation. And so we submitted a voluntary local review as to where we were achieving the SDGs, but also where our challenges are. And again, this is a, this is a tool for transparency. This is an opportunity for New York City to show Montreal, this is what we're doing well, and this is where we're having some issues, and can we exchange some best practices around that? And so, you know, to a point that Henri Paul made, this is not about undermining or usurping sovereign, you know, member state authority at the UN. This is just a larger recognition that everybody needs to be part of the conversation and cities represent um, the majority of, of population around the world. So we need to be part of this. And so the voluntary local review has been another opportunity for, this, for us to sort of insert that quote-unquote power, you know, um, or influence or the recognition that our voices just need to be heard. Well, I couldn't agree more. We are, uh, in cities, we are a government of proximity uh, with, the, with the people. And, and, Brian, you were asking what are our, our assets. Uh, of course, we have some jurisdiction over a number of issues. We have some resources. But maybe more importantly, we're a place for innovation. Uh, and also, we're a place uh, for political leadership. Uh, 
And, uh, and what we do or do not do within our cities has a, has a broader impact beyond our city limits. I'll come back to the example of migration. Migration is a, is a global, global issue, of course, a global phenomenon, and it's mainly national governments which decide who's coming or who's not in a city, but way in a country, I'm sorry. But where do immigrants go? They go to cities. And once they are in cities, well, we got to take care of them. Uh, and if we take good care of them, well, that makes for a better integration and better social cohesion and so on. And if we fail at doing that, well, that will have negative repercussions, not only in our city, but, uh, but uh, beyond that. I'll take another example, uh, another theme where you may be surprised uh, that, that I raised this one, but issues of peace and security. Uh, of course, traditionally, that's, that, that's an issue for, for national governments, but some dimensions of peace and security uh, has to do with cities. Uh, let's take the, the phenomenon of, uh, of uh, violence and radicalization. Uh, it's often in cities that you see acts of violence and even acts of terrorism. Sometimes it's homegrown, but it's also influenced by global trends. So in Montreal, we innovated with the establishment of a center for the prevention of radicalization, uh, very well grounded in the community. So as we act uh, to prevent radicalization, we actually contribute to peace and security within not only within our city, but within uh, within uh, Canada. And this, this was so innovative that actually we hosted the, uh, the former Secretary General of the, the UN, Mr. Ban Ki-moon, in uh, Montreal in 2016, and he came to visit that center because he recognized that that type of work done by cities matters also for that global issue, which is international peace and, uh, and security. That's a fascinating example, and uh, you know, both of you have really stressed just how many issues in which cities have a direct contribution to make to address you know these big global issues. One of the one of the things that's come up from time to time in this conversation is the relationship to national governments. And, you know, in the United States, being a federal system, we're used to a system in which there are competing sources of, of power, um, whether it's states or municipalities or, or um, the federal government. I'm, I'm wondering how you have found your relationship with the federal governments uh, or with the national governments on um, on these issues. And a couple of times you've pointed out where there have been differences of, of positions between national governments and and what you all have, what your cities and city leadership have been promoting. And one of those issues that came up was, of course, climate change in the, in the U.S. and another was the, the migration issue. I'm curious, how, how does this manifest itself and how do you manage kind of that potential, uh, that potential of conflict of interest when simply the two levels of government want different things? Very diplomatically. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's called city diplomacy. <laughs> we are exerting a lot of city diplomacy over here in New York City, Brian. Um, you know, listen, uh, you know, we, uh, New York City, um, host the largest diplomatic corps in the world. We work very closely with the U.S. Mission to the U.N. and the State Department with not only our consular corps, but also, um, also our U.N. community. From an operational standpoint, we have a very solid working relationship. But when it comes to issues that range from 
gender equity um, and issues like parental leave to climate action to how we celebrate um, and embrace and ensure that our immigrant communities thrive in New York City. It's um, almost antithetical to what is coming out of our federal government right now. Um, and so I think there what, what has been, I think, really extraordinary for me to experience over the last couple of years is the power of our federalist system, right? Um, we have quite... Um, a decent amount of authority in terms of, you know, everything from the behavior of the NYPD to the kinds of policies, and again, this divestment, this global divestment network that we um, were part of launching. There is quite a lot that can be done at the city level, and the de Blasio administration has um, really taken advantage of that to showcase what progressive policies can do in a city of 8.6 million and how government can work for its people in terms of addressing inequities, you know. I think um, I don't spend too much time thinking about the national government and being reactive to it. What I love about this administration is that we have, from day one, from 2014, been proactive about thinking about how do we improve the lives of New Yorkers by tackling a whole range of issues that include everything from climate change to education, which is part of the reason the Sustainable Development Goals have been very valuable, is that all of these are global issues. And part of you know being successful is being open to ideas and being open to how we um, how we engage from a multilateral perspective. And so that that is that's what we have been doing in New York City. And in terms of our relationship with the the other levels of uh, of government, and and for us in our case, that's both the the federal level and the uh, the provincial level, the equivalent of uh, of states in the in the U.S. Uh, well, we start from the principle that uh, as a city, we do what we think is right for for our for our citizens, for Montrealers. But this being said. Uh, we work as much as we can with other levels of government, national, provincial, uh, on issues of common interest. And it so happens that in the last uh, few years, uh, that relationship and that, that, that collaboration has been rather productive, actually. There are some issues where we're not exactly on the same wavelength, where we may have different points of views. But by and large, the, the relationship is a productive one. And, uh, and both the federal government and the provincial government see rather, you know, rather positively our, our involvement on issues that are of, uh, of interest uh, to them. Uh, of course, that dynamic may change over time, but, but our initial approach is to try to, to, to work together with them. And actually, back to the, uh, back to the G7 and the U20, uh, very significant to note that in the uh, you know in the final communique of the U20, we we essentially say well here are issues of importance uh, for all of us, and we would like to work together with you on those issues going in the following direction. So so that's that's our approach. Again, there may be there may be issues, there may be themes where we're not on the same wavelength, but the the you know the the instinct is to try to 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 work in a in a productive way. So I want to take us from the big uh, big political level down to the city political level and and to ask you about how to explain the city diplomacy efforts to local citizens. Uh, I know at the national level we have debates about you know why are we involved in the world in these various ways and oftentimes in cities one hears the same thing why is my mayor out at some event outside our borders. We've got real issues here in our city. 
How hard is it to build the constituent support within the cities to really pursue this this agenda? Is this something that's difficult to, to sell? Um, and, and how do you go about doing that? I, um, you know, it's hard for me to gauge how hard it is. Um, from from my agency's perspective, um, you know, we we historically the city hadn't done much work around. Um, explaining to New Yorkers the value of having the UN being host to the largest diplomatic corps and that value that it brings to New York City, right? To a, to a certain extent, New Yorkers just thought of, you know, the UN and thought of traffic in September. And so what we've done is approach it in a couple of different ways. Um, I commissioned the first economic impact analysis of New York City hosting the UN, um, the first one in like over 30 years. At the end of the day, while there it is such a huge educational and cultural boon for New Yorkers, it also you know employs over 16,000 New Yorkers, brings about 3.69 billion dollars annually into New York City. It is economically a really wonderful thing for us to host. Um, but again, you know this is where it becomes very important to try to bring home to everyday New Yorkers. Why thinking about climate change or human trafficking actually matter to your lives, and that's what we've done through our junior ambassador program. And again, this is not just for the young people, but it's also for the educators. It's for the school systems, the after-school programs, to realize that they're much more than just what's happening in their neighborhood. They're connected to a larger movement. Um, I've said this, I think, now at this point, ad nauseum on this podcast, but again, this is where the SDGs become really useful as a framework and a common language for us to be able to bridge what's happening in our community and these issues to a larger context, you know, and I think everybody likes, um, you know, to feel like they're part of a larger movement, but they need to feel what can they do here, and that's what, you know, some of our programming allows is for that tangible, what's the next step, this is what you do in your neighborhood. Um, but it's hard for me to gauge, you know, the the level of um, um, uh, effectiveness at this moment because again this is only a couple of years old but just you know anecdotally from like parents and teachers and from these young people um, it is it is worked better than most other programs because it's not only making the connection but these these um, these New Yorkers are actually doing something about it and it, it is uh, I must say it is uh, a bit of a challenge and the way to address it I think is, is twofold one uh, is to hammer the point that some of the issues that affect us are also global. Again, you know, climate change is, is the obvious example. The other thing is some of the very concrete issues that we're addressing. I'll take the, the, the challenge of sustainable mobility, which is a challenge for many cities, and but, but many cities have innovated and have uh, interesting practices. So when we say or when we demonstrate that by looking at the examples of other cities, uh, we can bring to Montreal uh, some innovations with respect to the way we, you know, we we we, we manage mobility. We introduce uh, uh, bicycle paths and things like that. This is very real for our citizens. And when we say that we, if we travel abroad, it's partly to to look at what others are doing, so as to to you know to to get the best practices. That that can relate to citizens. And of course, conversely, uh, some other cities also uh, copy some of what we've been doing in Montreal, and that's quite fine. So I would say that it's it's working on those you know those two aspects, but it is uh, uh, a challenge. And actually, I just to to sidestep a bit, it's. Uh, even selling cities uh, on the global stage, we've, we've made a lot of progress, but we've come a long way. I'll give you a little anecdote. When I was serving Canada at the United Nations, the, the then mayor of Montreal came to, uh, to the UN 
And I thought, huh, that's interesting. What is he actually coming to do here? Uh, and I had a meeting with them, and that was quite fine, quite nice. And at the time, in a good old-fashioned way, I thought, well, now I'll go back with my, my real business. But that was some 12 years ago, and things have changed a lot. The paradigm has shifted. And now when, uh, when mayors like Mayor Plant and others go to the U.N., uh, you know, people see, see the cities as, as serious interlocutors. So, so I think uh, we've got to change our image both vis-a-vis our, our citizens, mm-hmm. but also vis-a-vis some of the other global uh, fora. And I think we've made some progress. Uh, quite a bit, actually, in the last few years, but uh, we still have some, some ways to go. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's an important point. This this movement, um, Brian, as you said in the beginning, is really still quite new. You know, some people, especially with the the voluntary local review, um, you know, there uh, we, we have dozens of cities that are now signing up to do this, and the kind of feedback we're getting um, and some of the criticism, you think we've been doing this for decades. <laughs> and I'm like, this is less than a year old, and we're sort of still in the movement of building this and perfecting this and, and identifying, um, you know, how, how best to do it in the most effective way. Well, I, I would just nuance this a little bit, Penny, actually. It's, it's taken a momentum, a big momentum mm. in the last few years. But uh, cities getting together to, to try to influence things and share best practices and so on. You know, the first, the first uh, global association of, of cities that uh, dates back uh, to 1913. So, so in a way, it's been around for some time, but there is no doubt that it has gained a whole lot of momentum and influence in the last uh, the last few years. So, this has been a fascinating conversation, and I, I think you know this is a, a world affairs uh, podcast, and I think some of our listeners are going to be very surprised that that uh, you know following the themes that this is a conversation about cities, and I think you two have both uh, laid out really uh, clearly why cities are important to this and, and, you know, importantly, as you've continued to stress, why cities offer possibilities to address problems, uh, sustained uh, perennial problems in our societies, uh, and cities being involved can create new opportunities and new solutions. So, Penny Abby Wardena, uh, New York City's Commissioner for International Affairs, Henri Paul Normandine, Montreal's Director of International Relations. I want to thank you both for being on Deep Dish and really sharing the experience that you have on the front lines of building this new movement of city diplomacy. Well, thank you very much, and uh, thank you, Brian, uh, to you and to the, the Chicago Council for your, your interest in this, uh, this new form of, uh, of diplomacy. Yes, thank you so much. really appreciate it. As I noted, Both Penny and Henri Paul will be speaking at the 2019 Pritzker Forum on Global Cities next week in Chicago. You can learn more about the forum on the Council's website, thechicagocouncil.org. And I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Deep Dish on Global Affairs. If you like the show, do me a favor and tap the subscribe button on your podcast app. You can find our show under Deep Dish on Global Affairs wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you think you know someone who would enjoy today's episode, please take a moment to tap the share button and send it to them as well. I'd like to invite you to join our Facebook group, Deep Dish on Global Affairs, where you can ask our guests follow-up questions about anything you heard today or submit questions for upcoming guests and episodes. That's Deep Dish on Global Affairs on Facebook. And as a reminder, the opinions you heard today belong to the people who express them and not the Chicago Council on Global Affairs. Our audio engineer for this episode is Andy Zarnecki. I'm Brian Hansen, and we'll be back soon with another slice of Deep Dish. <laughs>